Welcome to the Compassionate Business Collective podcast. My name is Alex Oakall. I am a nutritionist and business strategist, and I'm here to help you make more impact and more income online by diversifying your revenue with affiliate marketing and aligned product suites. Welcome back to the Compassionate Business Collective podcast. Today's episode is a really, really exciting one because I am joined by Erica Julson, who you may know as the unconventional RD. Erica is a registered dietitian and proponent of online entrepreneurship for RDs, wellbeing professionals, nutritionists, healthcare professionals online. She's the founder of the Unconventional RD, which is a podcast, a Facebook community, and an online course dedicated to helping wellbeing professionals learn how to think outside of the traditional employment box and start, grow, and scale their own digital empire. She loves talking things like SEO, passive income, and email marketing, so you know she is a great fit for this podcast. And at the moment, if you are listening to this as it comes out, on the day it comes out, Erica has her course, SEO Made Simple, live, ready for you to enroll in. It is the most incredible course. I absolutely love it. It's probably the best business investment that I have ever made. So I am a hugely proud affiliate of this program. So if you are ready to join Erica's program, SEO Made Simple, and you are listening at the time of recording, the doors are open until Friday, the 2nd of June at midnight. So I would absolutely love to see you in the course. There's an amazing um, community alongside it, a Facebook group, which has almost 900 people in um, who are just cheering each other along, helping each other out to grow our sites and kind of increase that amount of traffic. And everyone is doing very different things. Some people are kind of growing their business and making money through digital products and affiliate marketing like I do. Some people are growing their site to get one-to-one clients or to sell courses and group programs and stuff like that. So it's just really fun to be in that room with all people who are just kind of doing uh, dietetics, nutrition, well-being, all of these kind of things all in their own unique way, uh, but all using the power of SEO. And that's what today's um, a podcast is all about. I am speaking with Erica all about what happens when you start implementing SEO and how you can get started or how you can improve your SEO strategy. So if you do join SEO Made Simple, um, which I 100% think you should because it is just the most incredible course, then I have some really great bonuses for you if you use my affiliate link and also type in Alex Oakle at checkout. So if you are listening to this and you are getting in while the doors are open live until the 2nd of June, then you will receive a 90 minute income expansion session with me, which is worth 150 pounds. And you can pick my brains about SEO or we can create an affiliate marketing or digital product strategy to start monetizing your site from the get-go. You will also receive my email made easy mini course, which is worth 97 pounds. And that's really is how to start, grow and monetize your traffic through email marketing. And finally, you'll also get the Anatomy of a High Converting Affiliate Blog Post Masterclass, which is a brand new masterclass, which I am going to be hosting live at the end of June. And it is really just helping you create blog content that actually brings in revenue consistently with strategic affiliate marketing. So this bonus package is really there to support you alongside your SEO Made Simple journey. So remember to use the code Alex Oakle when purchasing SEO Made Simple to receive your bonuses. All the links are down in the description for you so you can get easy access to everything if you are listening to this after the 2nd of june and doors are not open then you can head to the seo made simple waitlist which again is linked down below and you can join through my link there and you will be invited to um, enter the course when erica next opens doors so absolutely would love to see you in there but this whole episode is, is so value-packed anyway even if you don't join the course so really enjoy this with Erica. It was such a pleasure speaking with her and I'll hopefully see you inside SEO Made Simple. Hi Erica, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I haven't done an interview in a while so (laughs) I'm excited to get back into it with you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I joined SEO Made Simple in November I think was a kind of mini launch I think it was around November time um and I absolutely love the course I was so excited to be able to speak with you today and also a big fan of the podcast so this feels really exciting I feel like I know you and your voice very well (laughs) from all the hours I've listened to you so super excited for um this conversation today do you mind just kind of introducing yourself to people who maybe don't know you yet 
Sure. Uh, my name is Erica Jolson, and I am a registered dietitian, but I've sort of switched gears and I'm pretty much just doing marketing now. So I teach food and wellness professionals how to grow their audience, particularly through SEO and blogging. They're blogging with an SEO strategy, I guess I should say, which I'm sure we'll get into what that means, but basically like blogging with strategy, mm -hmm. <laughs> with the actual intention behind it to get found and grow a significant audience so that then you can monetize in whatever way excites you. So that's the main gist of it. Um, I have an online course, as you mentioned, SEO Made Simple. I have a podcast, the Unconventional RD Podcast, and a large free Facebook group, the Unconventional RD Community, which I think has like 14,000 people in it at this point, which is outrageous to me. Um, and those are my main platforms, I would say, at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Facebook group's great because it's a properly engaged Facebook group. Because when people say Facebook groups are dead, which people do say, I say not all of them. If you've got a good community on that and it doesn't have, it's not even necessarily size. It's more just the right people in the right place who are willing to help each other and jump in with recommendations and stuff. So it's a great place to be if you are kind of in this world. On, and I said this to, I sent an email a few weeks ago and I said, I wish I thought of the phrase like, I'm a nutritionist, not a dietitian, but unconventional, because I think that's what we're both kind of doing. And it's good to see other people like you and people in your group getting out of the kind of, or, you know, doing it alongside the kind of more conventional dietitian, nutritionist thing of seeing people in private practice. It's really cool to see people doing other stuff and really inspirational. So thank you for doing that. It's amazing. Um, do you mind talking a bit about why SEO is kind of what you mainly do now, like why blogging, why SEO? Um, and I'd love to hear a bit more about your experience with blogging. Sure. Yeah. It's um, a long story, so I will keep it as short as I can. Uh, I basically went back to school to become a dietitian because I loved food and I was looking at like, oh, who's, you know, talking about food and nutrition in like magazines and on TV. And then I figured out, oh, this is what a registered dietitian is. And I think there, I had a fork in the road moment at that time where I had started a food blog as a hobby um, because I love to cook and I could have just gone full bore with the food blogging, but I also liked to talk about nutrition, like in my posts. And I had this like imposter syndrome feeling of like, I need a credential or something. Mm -hmm. So I probably didn't need to actually go back to school to necessarily. Like I could have just gone, kept going with the food blogging and it probably would have worked, but I did not do that. <laughs> I went back and I did the full, you know, um, schooling process, internship process. And then I felt like, okay, now I have permission to like talk about this on the internet. Uh, <laughs> so that was the path. I always knew I wanted to do something probably like food media-ish related, but I just didn't know what. Um, so then I got out of school, was still with that lack of clarity, still had this food blog on the back burner, but it was kind of like, okay, what do I do? So I thought that I needed to like create a product or something. And that's how you get people to find you. I was like, oh, I need to have something to offer people. So I spent, you know, months and months creating this entire like online program that was like food and nutrition related. It was with another um, friend that I had who was like recording fitness videos and stuff. And then we like launched it to our audience of like 200 people combined and sold like three spots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was like a very um, reality check moment of like, oh, you know, maybe it's very important that I actually have an audience first before I create an offer because who am I even creating this for? It was a whole mess. So then it was back to the drawing board. And then this is where I figured out, you know, eventually what SEO was and how you could use it to actually grow a large audience. Um, SEO stands for search engine optimization. And basically that means creating content that's optimized specifically to show up in the Google search results. So obviously like the people out there who are thinking like, how do I grow an audience? How do I get found? Like that was the trouble spot that I was experiencing that led me to then create this course to teach other people how to get found through SEO. But um, obviously there's lots of options. Um, probably a lot of people go for social media, but I just particularly found that that didn't fit my personality very well. <laughs> it was, I mean, obviously the algorithms have changed a lot over the years and this was, you know, all the way back in like 2015 or whatever, but um, this was before there was even video on social media. It was all still photos. Um, but I just felt like I needed to be on and engaged like so much. And my personality lends itself more to like, longer form written content. Like I like to sit and like get into a topic and really like research it and create a piece that I feel has like longevity and um, 
a long-term purpose, I guess, and then put that out there on the internet. So I uh, figured out SEO about how you can um, do a little research and figure out what people are typing into the Google search bar. And then there's all these strategies that you can implement to kind of reverse engineer your content to match what people are looking for. Um, and then Google will hopefully find it and say, oh, wow, this person is really meeting the needs of this searcher. Let's put this at the first you know, top results, the first maybe the top 10 results um, when people search. And then hopefully they click on it and come to your website. And if you do that on repeat enough times, <laughs> then you can get tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to your website every single month. And then it's like the floodgates are open. It's like when you have an audience of that size, you can almost do anything you want after that. <laughs> if you just, uh, especially if you get them on your email list and then you can sell them something or you can just monetize passively with things like display ads, affiliate links, et cetera. So we can talk about all that, but um, yeah, it was basically solving the problem for myself of how do I get found uh, mm -hmm. when I know I have something of value to offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And coming back to one of your first points, I think we all probably went through that if you're a nutritionist or a dietitian or someone in this kind of like health and well-being space where you get your qualification. So you think, great, now everyone's listening because I've got my certification and you post or, you know, you send an email and you hear crickets and you're just like, wait, if I, you know, I create something, I thought they would just show up and be into it. And it really is a steep, steep learning curve when you try that first launch, whether it's even just launching like, oh, I'm taking on one-to-one -one clients now and then you don't hear anything and you're like, this isn't how I thought this was going to go. So yeah, SEO can be one of those really valuable strategies that gets you, you know, it gets you found basically. And like you said, you know, social media is an option, but as someone who used to use social media as my primary kind of traffic builder, I completely agree with you where it feels like a little bit, like you're just creating kind of like fluff content sometimes and it lacks the nuance. And especially with like, we know with nutrition and wellbeing, it's hard to fit that into like a 10 second video or a short caption. So uh, blogging really does give you that opportunity to dive deeper into a topic, which like you, I absolutely love as well. So you've kind of spoken a bit about what SEO is, but why do you think that people can slash should prioritize SEO as a way to build traffic? Like you said, you, know, you can get huge numbers and you can really do anything you want with them. But why do you really like talking about kind of SEO and why do you think people should implement it as a strategy, maybe potentially over social media or alongside? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And I feel like this is a very timely question as well. I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but there are some big changes coming with Google search <laughs> and all the rise of AI where... Um, I think it's just going to be um, more important than ever to like show that you are a real person with a real brand um, and not just content spun up by AI, essentially. So I do think the combination of showing that you're a real person with a social presence is important. Um, but the value, I think, of having a website, like if you're, I think you need both, basically. So like if you're just on social media and you have no web presence, it's hard to tell, like, is this, like, who is this person? Like, what are is they really legit? about? There's, yeah, there's no um, anchor point for your brand. <laughs> and if you build your website correctly, it's like, this is me, this is my hub, this is what I have to offer. And you can set it up in a way where I always talk about like trying to build like the ultimate resource, like for your ideal person on your website. So they want to specifically come back to what you have to offer again and again. Uh, obviously that takes time to build, but the best part is like if you're splitting your time here between like trying to decide whether to create like just a bunch of reels or something or longer form content on your website, the best part about the long form content is that it's evergreen. So it's like collecting a pile of like amazing resources and they never go away. They don't disappear into like the Ethereum of social media, they're there and you, you can set it up in a way that you're like strategically interlinking between all these pieces and building like a resource hub around different topics on your website, which also looks really good to Google. And it's great for the user experience if it's like, oh, I read this article and then it's like a natural progression to read this next article. Um, you can set it up in a way where it's a great user experience and Google can easily find and rank all your content as well. Um, but yeah, so that means that if you target the right topics and you create like, I'm just going to use an example. Let's say you create a piece of content that someone searches for 
a thousand times a month or something, and you're able to get the first spot on the Google search results. Maybe this ends up ranking for lots of different keywords that are sort of similar to the one that you were targeting. Maybe you get like several hundred, maybe 500 people a month um, or more coming to that piece of content. Uh, then that just, if you're able to maintain that ranking, it just kind of goes on forever and ever. And you're like, cool, you know, I can sort of bank on this 500 people a month from this one piece of content. And then you build another one and another one and another one. And you can see how it would add up over time. Um, And then if you get to the point where like, let's say you want to monetize with display ads, which you can sign up through ad networks and they will insert ads on your site. And you get paid just by people viewing and reading the content that you created sometimes years ago. (laughs) So you can have, you know, each piece of content making you $10, $15, $20 a month. And it just like, depending on how many views obviously you have on the pieces, but, uh, and then it just adds up from there. So it can become a really significant side income stream as well, in addition to whatever else you're doing in your business. So I like that aspect of it. It's like, it feels like I'm building um, an asset in my business, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, rather than um, a little bit more like flash in the pan type of feel. So my recommendation is to start with the evergreen piece. And then, of course, you can still post on social media, but like pull pieces of the evergreen content as much as you can to like put on social media instead of keeping them completely separate or um, trying to take a short form content and turn it into a blog post. That's sometimes hard, too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that way of thinking about things. And sometimes when I'm trying to explain to people um, how I feel about social media and um, SEO and stuff, I kind of say social media kind of feels like a hamster wheel. Like once you get off, it does stop spinning. Whereas with SEO, it does feel like you could take a couple of months off and you might not grow as quickly, but it's going to stay relatively consistent. And that's what I really like about SEO because I want to be able to take time off <laughs> and breaks and holidays yeah. and, unex- and like unexpected time off happens as well. So it's trying to be, I guess it's just a little, I feels to me more sustainable. So that's why I love SEO. I have a food blog that I haven't published on in five years at this point. That's still getting 10,000 people a month to it. <laughs> it's that just like amazing. not going down. It's just like sitting there. I probably could revive it and like, it, cause that was kind of before I really knew about SEO. Um, but yeah, it's like, it really does have, legs and staying power, uh, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. I even have an old nutrition blog that that I'm no longer actively publishing on that, but I still have like all my opt-ins and stuff on there. And the email list just keeps growing and growing. (laughs) Like I'm literally not doing anything. It's crazy. That's amazing. Are you a bit like me and you collect um, like domain names and stuff and have lots of website ideas, but never quite get around to them? (laughs) Yeah, well, I used to run this business, the Unconventional RD, and then I had a whole other nutrition membership site with a blog to go along with it to get new customers. And I just like hit this incredible burnout <laughs> like right mm-hmm. before the pandemic. And I just took the made the decision to like not do the membership site anymore um, and just focus on the Unconventional RD. But then I was like, what if I want to come back to it? So I didn't sell it. It's just sitting there mm-hmm. <laughs> like on pause, essentially. Uh, maybe it'll, maybe I'll bring it back around. We'll see. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, like you said, they are assets and you can, you're building something which you can, like you said, I monetize for a really long time. You can sell it. You can, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. And I think that feels, like I said, it feels really like sustainable and secure. So uh, yeah, I love that. Um, and can I give an example of like yeah, what of people can sell it for? Yeah. So like that membership site, uh, theoretically, it was making, I think when I stopped, like around $50,000 a year. Um, it was still kind of small. Um, and, but so let's see, if I broke that down, what is that? Like maybe four grand a month um, in mm-hmm. revenue. And I did have a writer that I was paying. So maybe my profit was like, let's say three grand um, a month. You could sell, let me do the math here. You can typically sell your businesses for like a 20 to 30 times multiple of what you make per month. So I could have sold that for like $75,000 perhaps to somebody and then just like moved on, Um, which, Mm -hmm. you know, what is that? A down payment, part of your down payment for a house or like whatever you're trying to accomplish in your life. Like you can also think of these as like kind of like flippable assets um, if Mm -hmm. you want to take that angle um, as well. So, And lots of people do that. I've 
you know, I've listened to so many different podcasts and you do hear people, their whole job is just building a website up to a good amount of traffic, selling it, moving on to the next one, having loads of projects at once. And it's, that's a whole business model kind of in itself. So the post, I think that's what I love about it. It just feels like the possibilities are kind of endless and it's exciting and it's a fun space to be in. Um, so we've spoken a little bit about um, SEO, what it is, why we like it. What are some common mistakes people are doing with their websites, with their blogs um, that you notice and you're just there like, I wish you would just implement these <laughs> one, two, three, four, five things and you would just, it makes <laughs> such a difference. <laughs> Mm, good question. And I think it depends like what level people are at as well, but I'll just pretend, I'll just do like the general uh, most common things that I see. But um, most common, I would say, is like lack of clarity in why they're blogging and what the end goal is. Um, this was something I noticed and I ended up creating like a whole section of the course to kind of help people with this. Um, I kind of formulated the the three blogging business models. So, you know, one is kind of like the publisher model where your goal is like page views, page views, page views, like eyeballs on my content. You want to publish um, as many pieces of content as you can, targeting the highest volume topics that you can with the most monthly searches. And you're just trying to get people to your site because your monetization strategy is primarily display ads or maybe affiliate links or something like that, both of which you know, your income is very tied to your traffic levels. So that's like one monetization model that some people go for. Very common in like the food blogging space, for example. Um, that's the publisher model. And then the other model that's I see a lot with like uh, wellness uh, niches is the online business model. Like maybe you have a course or a membership site that you want to sell for several hundred or maybe even several thousand dollars. Uh, to your audience. And in that scenario, you don't just want people, um, you want specific people, you want your ideal customer to find you. So the types of keywords that you're targeting are different. So for the first example, the publisher model, you're going for like highest volume, lowest difficulty, that's like at all related. So like if you're a food blogger, you, you have generally speaking, a lot of options of the types of content to create. Cause I mean, how many types of recipes are there out there? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot. So you can have a lot of flexibility in terms of finding something that's pretty high volume that will still fit in your niche. Whereas if you are say, what's a good example? Um, I don't know. Let's just say like a low FODMAP expert and you have a course to guide people through following the low FODMAP diet or something, the like the elimination diet essentially. Um, so eliminating these fermentable carbohydrates, seeing how your body responds and then reintroducing and like seeing what you can handle. Maybe you have a course on that. In that scenario, then you only really want to be creating content that will attract that type of person to buy your stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, lasagna recipe is like not going to bring the right person to you. So you need to be strategic and it's okay to target the lower volumes because as long as you're getting the right people, that matters a lot more than a zillion people. Um, and same thing if you're selling services. There's a services model as well um, that I talk about, but it's it's very similar to the online business. It's the idea of like selling or monetizing your content in more passive ways. Um, so I think sometimes people don't think that through. And they end up with like an amalgamation of content on their site that doesn't have any sort of like cohesive thread. Like they're not, they're lacking clarity on like who they're trying to attract and why, um, which I think is all, you know, sometimes bigger than just like SEO stuff. It's more like branding and like business mm -hmm. and like understanding the point of what you're doing. Um, but that is a common trouble spot. So I try to help people think that through um, before they get too deep <laughs> into what they're doing. Um, yeah, I would see people very common is like create they have like recipes, but they're they're trying to sell one on one private practice consults <laughs> or like like that's mm -hmm. not going to bring somebody who wants to necessarily like you could be targeting like a teenager on the weekend, like trying to bake cookies and they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, I really am looking for nutrition counseling when I'm looking for this cookie recipe, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big one. I don't know if you feel that way as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And I think I didn't actually um put this in kind of the questions I was planning on asking, but it's an important one, I guess. How important do you think having a kind of a niche is and how specific does that niche need to be? And I know that's a huge question. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like we <laughs> it's just massive, but kind of just generally, yeah. like how important is a niche? More important than ever, I would say. I think mm -hmm. Google over the last few years has continually been like, 
pushing this concept. It's called EEAT now. They just add, it used to be EAT. They added a new E like six months ago or something. So that stands for experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And they have been pushing this really hard <laughs> in terms of what they want to see from the content creators that they would like to rank in their search results. So they're basically saying like, we want to know that you have experience in what you're writing about, that you're an expert in what you're writing about, that you have some measurable authority to talk about this topic, and that you're a trustworthy source. Um, so they want to see these things. And it's very hard to claim that you're an expert in obviously like everything. You can't be like, mm -hmm. I'm an expert in like all of nutrition. Like it's going to be harder for you to compete if you're talking about 50 million different things on your site versus a niche person who's only talking, going deep into one topic, that deep, rich expert who has like all the content that you can target in terms of like keywords and things like that, like on their one site and they're not spreading themselves too thin. Mm -hmm. When Google's looking, they're like, who should we rank here? This person who has a hundred articles on this one topic or this person over here who has you know, maybe they have more content on their site. Maybe they've even been around for longer, but they only have two posts around this topic. Like who does it seem like would be the better resource? They're probably going to go with the person who has a deeper, more narrow expertise. And that has been playing out a lot more recently. And you can even test it out if you Google something. Like I just talked about this, I think. I can't remember if it was in the course uh, recordings that I just put out or if it was on the podcast. But um, if you Google, I was Googling like low sodium something, something about low sodium. And, you know, there's, you know, lots of high domain authority websites at the top. And then there was like in spot three, I think um, somebody with a extremely low, I, don't, I can explain domain authority is like how many people have linked back to your site. So lower scores means you're probably newer. You don't have a lot of people linking back to you, vouching for you essentially. So typically uh, the higher your domain authority score, the easier it can be to rank. This person had a very low authority score. I want to say it was like definitely under 15. Um, and she was in spot number three for this like high volume, somewhat competitive keyword because her website was like low sodium something, something. And so mm -hmm. it was like, clearly she's like, building her whole brand around this idea of being low sodium. And so they were giving her obviously some sort of boost for being a niche expert. So I think 2017, 2018, you could have gotten away a little more with being a broad expert, but as mm -hmm. the years have gone on, it's become more and more critical to be niched. Um, yeah. In terms of how niche is a niche, <laughs> that's hard to say. I think it's always... Um, it's obviously topic dependent, but I think starting narrow and really um, fleshing out a topic cluster first is the best way to go. And then you can add additional categories mm -hmm. like after you kind of get through one, I guess, yeah. is probably the best sense. way to go. Yeah. And I've definitely, so my website is its own PCOS basically. And the update in March it was like mid-March the EEAT update um and we saw a huge huge spike like humongous spike which was amazing and I similar to you with that sodium example have have really seen that happening where we're competing with um those higher like we have a pretty low domain um authority and seeing like really starting to be able to compete with the higher domain authority people websites you know those web mds those like the big players and the people who we're kind of like around now but they're all the same sort of people who have like pcos something in their domain and they're you know dietitians and nutritionists and they just talk about pcos and like I mean, I think that's great because it's showing the right people. Whereas before it, like, I think as someone who's been listening to podcasts on SEO for years and years and years, it did used to be like, people were like, I'm just going to start a website on fitness and I'm going to, I got the strategies and I'm going to rank. And now it does seem like Google are really trying to bring that trustworthiness back. And it's, it's really like reassuring, I think for us to see rather than it's just people who've got like this huge content team who can push out loads of content strategically and just get it done. Whereas it's good for us who are like, maybe the smaller players but also we are the people who are trained certified etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's um yeah it's actually really nice to see but I completely agree the niche um niching down I think is really important and honestly just for like your own I don't know just like ability to run your business well because it makes it so much easier to make decisions if you're like okay should I talk about PCOS today or should I talk about IBS or should I talk about pregnancy nutrition or should I talk about sports nutrition it's like it's overwhelming whereas if you're like I'm going to focus on this topic do my keyword research 
talk to these people on social media and in my blog post and on my emails, it makes life easier for everyone. <laughs> and so much easier to create offers for people too. Mm -hmm. um, if you have one particular targeted audience, then that's who you know, those are the people on your list and you can talk directly to them. It's not like, oh, but if I talk about this, the people who wanted to hear about sports nutrition are not going to want this. I mean, obviously you can segment your list, but like, why make it that complicated? Especially when you're uh, just starting. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to, because I'm conscious, I'm not in the recipe space, but I know some of my audience are. So I'm, when we were kind of the, talking about the question of, you know, what are people not doing? Do you mind just talking a little bit about like recipe, like schema and all of that stuff? Because I think people don't get that maybe when they're just starting out that you kind of have to format your recipes in a certain way. Just briefly on that would be amazing. And again, another mistake I personally made. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, when I first launched my food blog, there was, there, so there's something called recipe schema, um, which I'll, I guess I can elaborate now, but it's basically like code that at you as someone who's reading the recipe on someone's website you don't know it's there you can't see it it's on the back end like in the html of the the website like google can see it and under it helps them understand that what the content is so there's different types of schema there's like recipe schema so google knows this is a recipe there's video schema this, this is a video there's article schema this is an article um and there's different tools that you can use on your website to add that schema to your content and that didn't exist in 2010 when I, you know, first started blogging. Everyone was just doing plain text, typing their recipe into the, um, the you know, editor in, in WordPress and pressing publish. And then I missed that development when I was in grad school because I was like, obviously not really focused on the blogging world. I was focused on getting my degree and finishing my internship. And then um, I came back to it, you know, after finishing and it was like, whoa, things have really changed. <laughs> and so I had all this old content on my site that um, didn't have recipe schema. And things had been moving along to the point where if you did not have recipe schema, you weren't going to rank for like anything on your site. So I had to go back and add recipe schema to like all my content. But essentially my favorite, there's a plugin if you're on WordPress um, that you can use called WordPress Recipe Maker, and it probably sounds more complicated than it is. It's not that bad. It's just a change in your process. So instead of typing the recipe, like these are the ingredients, these are the steps, you just, you know, on the page, you type it into this plugin and it's the same field. They're like, you know, what are the, what are the ingredients? Um, what are the instructions? It can even calculate the nutrition information for you, which helps make your schema more complete and look better to Google. You put your picture or your video, whatever you have inside this plugin and then it spits out this beautiful looking recipe card so your site looks pretty easy to print um, you can put buttons so that someone can jump directly to the recipe card if they don't want to read your whole post <laughs> etc all of that is done through wordpress recipe maker or there's a few other options but wordpress recipe maker is my favorite um, and yeah if you are good to note for people who i get a lot of questions like can i do this on squarespace can i do this on wix do i have to be on wordpress um, if you are a food blogger, you you should be on WordPress if you're serious. Part of the reason of for that is because there is no there are no recipe plugins um, for Squarespace or Wix. There are some inferior workarounds <laughs> that you can do that involve like using another tool to generate the schema and then inserting yourself on the page. Which who wants to do that? Like <laughs> you can do it. It's not impossible, but it's not very fun, and it will probably hinder your growth. Um, and also, if you want to earn ad revenue, it just performs so much better on WordPress than Squarespace. They have some like formatting issues sometimes with Squarespace, so you won't earn as much even if you do get the traffic to monetize mm -hmm. with ads. So, so yeah, that's what recipe schema is. Basically, get WordPress Recipe Maker if you're a food blogger, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, if you that's want so helpful. I mean, I had no idea about it before I joined the course. Not that it's relevant to me, but I kept seeing it coming up. And then now, when you know, I see people post on Instagram this beautiful you know, image of a recipe and they say, oh, link in my bio and have a look. And it's, it's formatted all strange. And I know I'm like, this isn't going to rank. And I feel sorry for them. I'm like, get an SEO made simple. Um, but no, that's <laughs> so helpful. But yeah, I, a bit about um, my website, I was on Squarespace before I joined the course. And then once I heard like all the possibilities that are out there for making money and all of this stuff, I was like, I'm just doing it. I'm getting on WordPress. And it, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a steep learning curve, but also it just does feel like, okay, if you really want to take this seriously, then WordPress does feel like the place to be. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did your traffic, did it go up at all after you switched or was it kind of? Yeah. Weird? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, but so I did that in December into January, but we also changed the domain name to .com. So it was like basically just starting from zero from January, but also it feels good because I know I'm in the, I don't know, everything feels set up properly now, which is nice. Right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I just like to collect stories because I hear often like, oh, I switched. Like I thought I was doing great on Squarespace and then I switched and my traffic like doubled or tripled. Like, the yeah, next definitely. <laughs> you know? I was stagnant yeah. for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, hugely helpful. And just one of those jobs I was like, it's probably better to do now before I have like millions of blog posts and a whole yeah. thing. So um, amazing. So I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm going down like the publisher model, which you mentioned in your course and you've mentioned in this interview. But um, I know that a lot of people are still seeing clients one-to-one, still want to continue doing that. Is SEO still really helpful for getting um, those sort of, like you said before, like kind of the right people on your site? Um, Or is it mainly, do you think like SEO is best for people who are really trying to like get those super high traffic numbers to monetize with ads and stuff like that? It's either or, honestly, or both, honestly. (laughs) You can do both as well, but pick one, I think, to start with. Um, But yeah, there's, I would say, maybe like a 50-50 split of people in my course uh, going for publisher versus online business model. I've done both, so both are valid with SEO. Um, You just have to understand your strategy so that you can create your content and craft your uh, keyword, we didn't really talk about what keyword research is, but basically there's tools that you can use to figure out what people are typing into the Google search bar, how many times they search for each month, and how difficult it might be to rank for. And then you can figure out using these same tools how competitive your own site is at the moment and you know what difficulty level might be appropriate for you to target, depending on how authoritative your site is. Um, and then you create your strategy from there. So I think the biggest differentiator though, is that if you're doing the publisher model, you can kind of get away with like just focusing on publishing content and it's like, cool, got my systems. Like I know what I'm doing. I just do take the action publish. And then I'm just monitoring my traffic every month. And I'm like, when I hit this, this mark, like a lot of times the target, uh, mark is 50,000 sessions per month. Um, they're trying to get 50,000 people basically to their website every single month, because that's the requirement to apply to this higher end ad network called Mediavine. And then once you get in there, you should start earning, you know, at least a thousand plus dollars a month in ad revenue. Um, it takes some time sometimes for them to like learn your site and and optimize the ads. Um, But yeah, you start making significant, usually like anywhere from like maybe 15 to $30 um, per 1000 sessions a month. uh, You can expect you can do the math on that, but that's one model. And you can also put affiliate links in your content or create targeted affiliate posts that will bring you other types of income as well. Like if you recommend a product and someone purchases it, you earn a commission. So you don't have to make nothing until you get to Mediafine, but that's one model. Mm-hmm. And then the other model, um, like I said earlier, you just have to be more intentional about trying to attract the right person, not volume, but it doesn't end there. So unlike the publisher model where it's like, cool, people on my site equals money. This is like <laughs> people on my site equals an opportunity to get them into my ecosystem. So you have to kind of go a little bit beyond just getting them to your website and start thinking about what happens next. So they're on my site. I know they're the perfect person because I created this content with this strategy in mind that I'm really only attracting my ideal customer with the types of content I'm putting out. What do I want them to do next? How do I get them into my sphere, help them learn more about me, know, like, and trust me, and probably purchase something from me? So email marketing becomes a big piece. So you have to start Mm -hmm. thinking about what can I present to them when they land on my content from Google to get them to join my email list. You want to think of a really high value offer that you can give them in exchange for their email. And then how can you nurture them? Um, I like, I'm a huge fan of email automations <laughs> because who wants, it's just like the social media thing. Who wants to be like, what do I have to send out this Friday every day for the rest of your life? You know? So if you can set up automations, uh, then, you know, once they join your list, you know, they're going to get this nice, wonderful sequence of emails that you've pre-set up uh, that, that, does whatever you're trying it depends on your niche obviously but you probably want to like tell them about your brand and give them some really helpful stuff and then maybe pitch something you can do that all automatically which is great um mm-hmm. that's how my how i run the unconventional rd brand um i don't do when everything's running i i paused it to update the course so i have to re uh start press start on all this but um, when everything's running properly all my sales are automated i don't do any live launches so and i was able to make 
like $300,000 last year from that mm-hmm. on a thousand dollar course. Um, so yeah, um, it's definitely a great business model, but you need more skills than just SEO. You also need to to take it a step further and to figure out how you're going to nurture and convert people once they're on your mm-hmm. site. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. And also with a publisher model, you can also embrace email marketing. I just think email marketing is great. Like you said, like it can just be, it's kind of like a set and forget and then just track the metrics now and again every month and see what's going on. And yeah, there's loads of potential with email and and like social media, you own your list. So I'm always like, get an email list going from the start, even though it feels like a faff to set up. I wish I had started. I didn't start mine late, but I wish I'd started like on day one because why not? Like might as well. Um, thank you. That was super helpful. Um, you mentioned keyword research. Do you mind just mentioning some of your favorite tools? Because I think when people Google like, how can I do keyword research? It's like the big like SEMrush, like Ahrefs, all of these ones, which are like, I don't know, I think they're like a couple of hundred dollars a month at the moment. So is there anything yeah. a little bit more affordable for people getting started? Sure. Well, I... I will say that I use SEMrush the most. I think mine's maybe like $120 a month, but I might be on like a legacy plan. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, so I do use one of the pricier tools just because I like uh, the convenience of having all the data like right there at my fingertips. It's just um, organized very well. But I would say 90% of the people in my course, um, and I have tutorials on how to use this other tool, use a tool called KeySearch. which I believe at full price is maybe around $15 a month. Um, but there's a coupon code that's, I'm just not an affiliate code or anything. It's just like out there on the internet. It's K-S-DISC, like D-I-S-C. I think it stands for key search discount. And I, I don't remember the percentage off, but it brings it to like maybe closer to $12 a month. So it's Yeah, I think it's like 20% great. off or something. It's yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really affordable in the grand scheme of all the blogging tools. And it does a lot of the same things that these more premium tools do. Uh, I would say that the main difference is like key search is focused on keyword research, that part of SEO. And some of the more premium tools will do a better job at things like backlink analysis or technical SEO analysis on your website. But not everyone needs that. Like when you're just starting out, you're like, I just need to figure out how to create content with a strategy. I don't really need to pay hundreds of dollars a month for like the technical analysis of my website with one page on it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) just give me a keyword research tool that I trust. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of people start. And then maybe they upgrade later uh, to a more premium tool. But um, key search will, you can type in, you know, the topics you're thinking about writing about, and then it gives you a whole bunch of keyword ideas, which are just like literal, the words that people type into the Google search bar um, with the volume and the difficulty score. And then you can do all sorts of fancy like filtering um, to find ones that meet your needs in terms of being easy enough to rank for or enough volume, whatever it is you're looking for, for your tech, your strategy. So when we're thinking about creating content, when we're putting things on Instagram and social media and stuff like that and TikTok, you could blow up overnight and suddenly just have 1.2 million views on a video. We know SEO doesn't work like that. It definitely is a slower process, but that doesn't mean that it takes forever. So how long does would someone likely see some traction in terms of getting, you know, a few hundred to a thousand maybe people on their site every month? And then how long would it take for someone to get that, like, you know, that number that we're all looking for, the 50,000 views so we can get ads on our sites? <laughs> and do you have any case studies of anyone yeah, from your uh, course? Let's see. I would say if you're starting out from absolute zero, I would say do not stress over anything for like the first six months. Um, there's this unofficial thing called the Google sandbox where it's sort of like you're in a timeout for the first like six months and you have to prove yourself before you get rewarded with the search results. And I saw this on my most recent site. Uh, basically, you know, even if you're doing everything right from square, like day one, your, your posts are optimized from the very beginning. You just lack that, you know, EEAT stuff that we talked about, the, ex- the evidence of experience, expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness that just doesn't exist on a site with like one post, you know? So it just takes time for Google to kind of get it and know that you're like legit and trustworthy and want to rank you, obviously, depending on, it's probably more difficult in um, topics that require more expertise, authoritativeness and trustworthiness, like health related content. Um, but yeah, so this this most recent site that I launched, um, what, there was one post that we published pretty early on, didn't really get any traction for the first six months. And then it was like, you know, 
the, the gates opened and then that one <laughs> post went poo and shot up and now it's in the top spots and is one of our top performing posts. But we didn't do anything different. Like it just took time for Google to like get it uh, and, and trust us, I think. Uh, so don't freak out if you see very minimal results for the first six months. If your site's brand new, that is completely normal and to be expected. And then it should grow steadily from there. So um, there's a few I I think the fastest that I've seen people do it in my course to go from not having a site at all to getting to the 50,000 is a year and a half. So there's a couple people I've interviewed on my podcast. Uh, Katie Dodd of thegeriatricdietitian.com did it in about a year and a half. And then Melanie Betts, she's a kidney dietitian. Uh, She took hers from nothing to 50K in a year and a half as well. So those are both some really exciting um, nutrition-specific examples of people who got to the 50k mark around that time period but for both of them it was kind of like you know I think uh, I need to look back at the stats but with Katie it was like I want to say a year in she was at like 10 or 20,000 maybe like she wasn't Mm -hmm. that close to the 50k and then it like shot up (laughs) and then it was like a few months later she was at 50k so often you see this like little exponential spurt uh once you really get into the groove um, yeah. And then another common time point, I think for people in my course, it just seems to be like one and a half or like two and a half years. It's like very common, mm-hmm. um, time, time frame to get there. Obviously it depends on your niche and the type of keywords you're targeting, but, um, yeah. it's not a short term play at all, <laughs> but it's sustainable in the long run, which is nice. So you put in the work now and don't forget, you can repurpose this work in other ways on social media and other platforms of course, um, your email list, uh, but it will grow and stick around and work for you for years to come. And then Katie in her interview talked about how, you know, she did all this work for a year and a half. And then it's kind of like, you know, she's making, I want to say around $5,000 a month now in ad revenue from that site. And it's like just from all the work that she put in previously, it's not like she's doing any more. She's just Mm -hmm. now reached the point where she can monetize with ads. So it's really nice, mm-hmm. uh, sta- relatively yeah. stable passive income stream. Mm-hmm. I think that was um, like, I'm, I kick myself and I, cause I've been blogging for quite a long time, but just not, you know, having a knowledge of SEO, but not doing everything and kind of like, I guess kind of half-assing it really. So I just like regret that I didn't just, I didn't, I didn't know about your course. And I'm like, why did I not know? Why did no one tell me about this? And I could have just done that from the start and I would have been like a year ahead, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. It's fine. We're getting there now. Um, but I was going to say something off the, oh, what I recognize from those two case studies is the fact that they are both very like niche or niche you know top uh, like areas so that's like really interesting to think about the fact that they they know you know who they're talking to what content they're writing and it's very specific they can be authorities in that area and it's obviously yeah. very much paid off for them yeah and I have another example of a food blogger who like you were saying was blogging for a long time like several years without really like fully understanding SEO and then she took my course and started implementing the strategies and was able to get into Mediavine. This was when it was still 25,000 to get in years ago. But um, basically her traffic like doubled in three months and she was able to get accepted. So it's like, sometimes it's just a small thing that you just didn't know that you weren't doing that can make a really big difference, yeah. And I think with um, your course and just like SEO in general, it really is, it's a lot of small things that you add up and they compound and it's, it's the same with content like you you know you do a few articles they're all kind of like compounding and you know building up to that 50,000 or whatever it is that you're trying to reach so um yeah it's just these little small tweaks that we can make which is um I think it's exciting because there's so much potential out there to really make your website work for you which is what we're all looking for um and I just had one question before we kind of like finish off is well before we get into the proper final question is when someone um, is creating sites and there's someone like you who um, is, I believe your website was on kind of nutrition in terms of like specific ingredients. Is that kind of right? Almost? Yeah, that's like, one of my newer sites. It's like trying to be a yeah. resource for like food. Um, yes. So answering questions about food from a registered dietitian, essentially. Yeah. And also, obviously, you're an expert in now in like SEO for nutritionists and dietitians and healthcare professionals and food bloggers. Can you be like two experts on Google, if that makes sense? Or is Google, does Google know you or does it, 
know your site and then knows that there's a registered dietitian on that site or do they know Erica Jolson? Do you know what I mean by that question? Yeah, I love that question. They know me um, and I think that helps me in a sense. So mm-hmm. there's some really cool stuff that you can do. You can try Googling your name and obviously you can see what comes up, but you can also like there should be uh, – you should see like your website, for example, that comes up when you Google your name or your brand name. And then on the right t- upper right hand of that result, there should be like these three little dots. And if you click that, you can say learn more about this result and it will open up this box and it will tell you basically what Google knows about you. Um, yeah, and it's okay. kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, so you think you're putting out like, oh, this is what who I want to be seen as an expert, what I want to be seen as an expert in, blah, blah, blah. But is that what Google's picking up on? And you can kind of see, cool. you know, what they're – it tells you like a little bio that, and you can see where they're pulling it from. So then, then you can go back in and make sure like, is this what I really wanted to say? Uh, and then it'll show other places you've been talked about online, what other people are saying about you. So they're trying to pick up this sen- sentiment analysis, basically like, do you have a positive or a negative reputation? Uh, if you have a negative reputation, that's probably going to hurt you, but it's pretty extreme. Like you'd have to be doing probably some pretty shady stuff to have like a negative experience, a uh, negative sentiment uh, there, but it's pretty cool. You can see that. And then even more fun with the new, we didn't talk about this, but there's something called the search generative experience that's coming to Google, which they will be putting AI answers at the top of the search results. So I have beta mm-hmm. access to it. It's not out for the public yet, but they're testing it. So I'm one of the testers that just happened like this last week. Um, And I tried typing my name in to see (laughs) what it says. And that's an interesting kind of way to see, you know, what the summary is. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously this, the AI is not Google. So Google has more understanding because they can read links and things like that. But this will like summarize, you know, what's, what's coming up um, information wise when someone searches your name. And it didn't get it 100% correct because... There's also another Erica Jolson out there who's a nurse and she shows up on the first page. So it it got like 75% of it right. And then it pulled in Mm -hmm. some information from her profile too. So I thought that was really interesting. That'll probably get better and more accurate uh, as Mm -hmm. the the AI gets better. But um, they know me and they are keeping track of your reputation and what you appear to be an expert in. So I think the fact that I have a lot of... um, So for example, there's also something called the knowledge panel that can show up sometimes Mm -hmm. on the right-hand side where it's like a profile of you and like more details about what they know about you. And it doesn't show up anymore, but at one point in time, it said Erica Jolson, blogger. So that means that of all the things I'm doing, they think I'm first and foremost a blogger, which is great. That's what I want Mm -hmm. them to think, right? So then they understand that I create content and part of this whole idea of showing off that you have expertise, authoritative, and trustworthiness is having authoritative writers on your site. So I think the fact that I'm seen as an expert writer is help probably helping the content that we're putting out. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have experience. I used to write for Healthline. I have a bunch of different websites and um, have these SEO courses. So if you're absolutely like have zero web presence and you're starting from scratch, it's going to be a little harder. But the way you can potentially gain that, you could hire people with more experience to write on your site as well. And that might help you as well. So they do know you Mm -hmm. as a person, I guess you should, I could say. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. that's. but I only have one, one like, I'd say the unconventional RD is like my personal brand more. um, And then everything Mm -hmm. else is like not centered around me. So it's probably less important. Like my name being attached to it might give it a boost, but it's not about me, you know? Yeah, no, that's really helpful. That's just really interesting. And I, I didn't know that about being able to like dig a bit deeper and see what Google really thinks about you. <laughs> um, so finally, um, I would love to hear some kind of quick SEO wins that people can implement, you know, easily or yeah, something that they can just do tonight, maybe when they're listening to this podcast and just get a little tiny SEO win that they can kind of add, like I said, to that like compounding stack of SEO wins. Sure. Well, I think if someone's listening and they're at square zero, absolutely, you need to make sure you have Google Analytics and Google Search Console set up on your website so that you you can't tell how you're doing if you're not tracking what you're doing. So those are the two, mm-hmm. two tracking tools that I would recommend. They're free. They're put out by Google. Google Analytics will tell you how many people are coming to your website and where they're coming from and what content they're looking at when they get to your site. And then Google Search Console will tell you specifically how your content is ranking in Google Search and what keywords it's ranking for. And then you can use that to make sure that what you're doing is performing well. Or if it's not, then you can troubleshoot there. 
Uh, so that's number one for sure. And then another fun thing somebody could do, they could go to SEMrush, which is semrush.com and just create a free account and you can type your website in and it will just give you, you know, not the full information on your website if you're not a paying customer, but it will give you enough information where you can see what is your website currently ranking for and are you happy with what you're seeing? <laughs> like, are you showing up for anything? Um, are you even showing up for your brand name? Like that type of stuff. And if you're not happy with what you're seeing there, then that's a sign that there's improvement and lots of potential that's like just untapped waiting for you. Um, and then if you're already past all that stuff and you're listening and you're like, no, I want something like more actionable, <laughs> I would say uh, one of the most common things I see when people ask me to like review their site in office hours or whatever Sometimes people get so caught in the weeds of keyword research, publish the content, blah, blah, blah. And they're so hyper-focused on like on-page SEO and like putting out content that they forget to like pull back and look at the holistic of their website. And it's like, you're mm -hmm. missing an about page in your main navigation. Where's your contact page? You don't have a terms and conditions or privacy policy or disclaimers link in your footer, like trust signals to show that you're a real person that Google can see that you're contactable, that they can find more information about you and your experience and your credentials, that your website's like legally all buttoned up. Um, mm -hmm. Things like that sometimes people miss. Uh, it's like the obvious things that you just like forget about because you're so close to your site. And then another one that I've been seeing recently is like not having their byline set up correctly as well. So like, what are you, this is all set up in like your theme settings, but you should be able to adjust like what's shown underneath the title of each blog post. And you want to make sure you have your full name and credentials there. Sometimes people have it accidentally set up where it's like showing their username or it's mm -hmm. showing their first like name only. Him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or it's not showing their credentials. Um, so you could want to tweak that and make sure it's showing, make sure you're showing the date and ideally the date it was last updated as well. Um, you don't need to have both, but you definitely want to at least, uh, have it show the last updated date. Um, so Google mm -hmm. can see that your content is fresh and being kept up essentially. Um, and then making that, that byline name link to a page where people can learn more about you or your business. So if you're a solopreneur, typically fine to just have it like link out to your about page for your website um, or if you have multiple contributors then you know each person's name should link to a page where they can see more about who this person is and why they have the experience and the expertise and the authoritativeness to to be writing for your site on this topic so um, those are some quick things you could just double check on your site um, and make sure that you have that all set up. And that's like, I said, I actually just added a new tutorial in the course on how to do that whole like author um, byline thing. Um, because mm -hmm. sometimes depending on your theme, it can get a little complicated, but it's definitely still doable. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are some, some things to double check, I would say that aren't too technical. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, super helpful. And I literally like, whereas you're saying them, I can see, okay, so the Google Analytics and Google Search Console stuff, that's in your first module of your course. And then it's like the next one. So everything in SEO Made Simple is, it's literally as if Erica's in the room with you, like holding your hand, taking you through the process. And that's what's so great, great about it because it can feel really complicated SEO. And I think people almost like profit of trying to make it sound really complicated, even though it's, it's not that complex, but it just... You just need to sit down, have a bit of time to like get into and get into it a little bit. And um, but the yeah, the benefits are absolutely huge if you kind of know what you're doing um, with your SEO and with your website. So, yeah, absolutely love it. Love SEO made simple. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how people can join? This episode is going out tomorrow. <laughs> as an FBI. Oh, wonderful. OK, well, then, well, do you have an affiliate link that you want to share? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am an affiliate for Erica's program. I'm very proud proud affiliate because like I've been saying throughout I've absolutely loved the course and my affiliates are a 90 minute session with me so you can come and we can talk about monetizing your site as you go because I think that's something that people maybe forget how to do and I'm a I call myself the queen of affiliate links because I love affiliate marketing so I'm all about affiliate links and I'm also all about creative digital products that people actually want to buy because so often we make stuff that we think people want um so I'm really excited to offer strategy sessions so we can work on monetizing your site and you also get my email marketing made easy course which is just like super simple ways that you can start an email list just to get it off the ground um, and you just have to use my code Alex Oak when you are at the checkout so 
uh, SEO Made Simple is open until Friday. Um, Friday, right? June 2nd. Yeah. So yes. you can go to the unconventionalrdbb.com because back in the day, I thought I wanted to ca- have like a course suite and call it business boot camp. So I still have that domain, but it's at the unconventionalrdbb.com. Um, or if you're listening to this later, you can always um, get access at seowaitlist.com. Um, because I do offer the course periodically throughout the year, like every couple of months to people who are exclusively on my email list. So outside of this like open enrollment period, the, the open sales page will no longer be available after June 2nd, but by being on my email list, I'll periodically open it up for those people, um, throughout the year. So getting on the list at seowaitlist.com is probably the best way long-term to, to stay connected. And also if you're looking for any type of like kind of like higher level review of what we just talked about. I also have an SEO roadmap. That's a free download at seofreebie.com that kind of just puts this all together so that you can see the bigger picture of what SEO is, the different components and how it can play into your online business strategy. So um, yeah. And also, yeah, my Facebook group, I would say, if you're, if you don't want to just like just learn from me, but you want to connect with other people who are kind of going for the same goals as you, that's the best place to go. The Unconventional RD community on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I can't believe you've got seowaitlist.com and seofreebie.com. I know. (laughs) Those are amazing domains. (laughs) That's super cool. I I wanted like SEO webinar, but it was, it was taken. (laughs) I mean, those two are still pretty good though. I'm like amazed. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Erica. Honestly, appreciate your time so much. This has been super helpful and all of Erica's free and paid resources are really useful. So definitely check them out. I'll leave everything down below and like key search and all of the other things you recommended today. And yeah, thank you so much. And I hope that we'll see um, a lot of you inside SEO Made Simple in the lovely Facebook group that we have as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast talking about all this stuff.